0: Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes.
1: Well, thank you, Billy, and welcome to another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes, thank you for joining us today. I think you're really, really gonna enjoy our conversation today. We've got two of Oklahoma's finest agricultural producers in the far southeastern corner of the state brent bolin joins us today and from almost the state line as you go into the texas panhandle you've got monty tucker joining us as well miles and miles separate their farm operation about 300 miles from the southeastern corner out to the western border of our state separates monty and brent about 400 miles if you're doing it by road But we've got them together today here on The Road to Rural Prosperity. We'll find out what makes them tick, what makes them excited to be in agriculture, and what they see as the future of our agricultural production here in Oklahoma and across the countryside. Our feature sponsor on today's Road to Rural Prosperity, the Oklahoma Rural Water Association, that were formed back in 1970 to assist water and wastewater systems. And one of the things they are very proud of is they offer a legislative voice for water and wastewater systems, both at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. as well. We'll get going with today's Road to Rural Prosperity with Brent and Monty in just a moment.
2: Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of
3: ORWA members and the rural people they serve. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit.
1: Howdy, neighbors, and welcome back to The Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes, and today we are on the scene in downtown Oklahoma City. We're at the Cox Convention Center. It's still here for a little bit longer, I guess, until they get the, the new convention center done. And joining us today on the sidelines of the Oklahoma Farm Bureau annual meeting held in November, uh, we've got uh, Brent Boland from southeastern Oklahoma. We've got Monty Tucker from the western part of the state. Brett, let's start with you. Tell tell me a little bit about your operation right right today.
4: Well, we have uh, eight broiler houses uh, that we produce chickens for Tyson Foods, and uh, we grow about five batches a year doing that. And then we have a couple hundred uh, mother cows, cow Mm calf pairs, and then we uh, produce uh, premium horse hay for the small square bell market and uh, have three daughters and a lovely wife that's a CPA, stay-at-home mom, and um, we just farm and ranch seven days a week, 365 days of the year.
1: <laughs> Isn't that the truth? That's uh, definitely the way it is in agriculture. Monty, you're obviously way west, almost to the uh, to the Texas panhandle.
2: Our granddaddy always said we could throw a rock and hit the Texas panhandle from our place. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> well, if you was next to them Texans, you'd throw <laughs> lots of rocks. <laughs> Better edit that out.
1: Uh, nah, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so, to, to, you know, this is kind of a thumbnail of your operation.
2: Well, I, I'm proud to say that I'm fourth generation right there in what we call a little community of Sunny Point, Oklahoma. Uh more proper address is Sweetwater, Oklahoma, which is about 150 miles straight west to Oklahoma City. And um, our operation, uh, it's a family ranch. We, uh, we do uh, cow-calf. Mm-hmm. commercial cow calf but uh, all of it's pretty much angus um we uh, we do a lot of wheat but uh, all our wheat acres is turned into forage for our cattle and our cattle operation we we retain ownership all the way to the rail um we own that uh, we own that animal until he gets into the packing system and uh, hangs on the rail and uh high quality beef is our end product um uh, also uh, my wife and I and our immediate family we do uh direct sales. We uh are a business of direct sale beef to actual consumer to the end consumer. Uh, it's mm-hmm. been growing every year. It's a learning process, it's uh you learn a lot about your cattle when you when you actually know the customer right down the road that's eating it. <laughs> and and we always guarantee our quality. So mm-hmm.
1: So, so let, let, let's talk a little bit about the, Brent. You, uh, from southeastern Oklahoma, you made the decision, I guess, at some point you wanted to get involved uh, in the contract poultry business. What, what got you interested in that?
4: Well, I mean, it's a really long story of the in-depth part of it because uh, I guess uh, my dad, when I, uh, years before I w- was born, um, he was out looking for work, and he was off pipelining and being a pipeline mechanic and that was in the 60s and so uh at that time there was a not not Tyson but another uh poultry outfit that was putting in a, a, a slaughter facility there in the county mm-hmm. and so my dad came home and wanted to raise me on the farm so I guess the passion grew for that you know because my father you know wanted to raise me on the farm so uh grew up uh with two broiler houses back in the 70s and then he expanded in the late 70s and then um, you know, when I got out of college, that just seemed like what I wanted to do. And so I expanded the operation, bought uh, about twice as much uh, acreage to go along with it, and uh, so uh, just have grown ever since and uh, just chose to make that my home. And, and there's not a lot of opportunity, I guess, in rural Oklahoma. So if you're going to be in, in McCurtain County, you've either got to grow timber or, <laughs> or uh, poultry or, mm-hmm. um, you know, some crop that's not, e- not legal. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's nothing like that in yeah.
1: Curtain County. <laughs> uh, now you're so you're kind of what second generation,
3: uh, second
4: yeah. second generation contract farmer. Uh, my right. my great grandfather he was a he he had ca- a cattle ranch, but he was also kind of a a, a large equipment operator, mm-hmm. large equipment mechanic. Uh, but he came from Arkansas, and I, I don't really know past that for g- generation wise, yeah. right
1: fourth generation over here in western Oklahoma now uh did did you what did you feel pressure or you just desire no go go to the go back to the ranch
2: just like Brent I I went to that great state uh, great Oklahoma State University and got that degree that I was on the fast track it just took me five years to get a four-year degree (laughs) but uh uh, took a year and went up to Iowa worked for Cargill and the whole time I was up there the the finger grips of the farm, family farming ranch back in Sweetwater just kept tugging on me. And mm-hmm. Granddad called me one day, and he said, I, I'm about done. He said, I, I think you can—you ain't going to make what you're making up there, but I'll make sure you survive. And <laughs> I think he called me about 10 o'clock that morning. By about 4 o'clock that afternoon, I was loaded up and headed home. Didn't take me long. That's, but, that's uh, quick notice, wasn't it? Yeah, but— we wound up in Sweetwater. That's kind of an interesting story, too. My great-granddad uh, got run out of Missouri, I think, landed in Chillicothe, Texas, and then he swore up and down. He moved north until he ran out of the cotton and the mesquites. <laughs> so that's kind of how we wound up where we are. <laughs> oh, so, that's that's a, a
1: good description, I guess, yeah, for your part of the world then.
2: Yeah, and then Brent mentioned his family, and I forgot in the opening, but uh, I had to import a wife from California. Um, and she moved out here and she thought she was marrying a rich rancher but then once we got married she realized that all those places i had were rented but uh, um, and then we've been blessed with two boys we've got a freshman in high school right now and a and a third grader that sure enough keeps us on our toes
1: okay so. you guys you guys are talking family before let's talk about that for a minute what What's it like? In other words, what what do you feel are the the advantages of uh, out in the country, having uh, having the chance to raise your family?
4: You have about three days to go over that twenty four sure. hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean the. Uh, I guess I mean having three girls, and uh, I mean they uh, they all know how to run a skid steer. They all know how to drive a truck, pull a trailer, uh, just work ethic uh, that. I think something that their friends and uh, even one of them's boyfriend doesn't understand that um you know when the we, we don't stop until the job's over i mean mm-hmm. we start cutting hay or baling hay or whatever i mean it and that you know the i guess folks in the city don't understand that you know we have to stay until it's done or and it's and it's all about timing and so i guess back to the work ethic and then just the uh my dad's favorite quote that i like to requote is uh you know uh, farming can be a really great uh, life or life but a or a a tough way to make a living but a darn good life that that's his favorite quote you know Mm -hmm. and I mean there's a lot of truth to that I mean it's a darn good life to raise your kids and you know you're working with them every day and I guess that's one thing that I've thought about even leading up to this that you know I see guys that are my age that their dad kind of run them off the farm. They worked them too hard, and my dad worked me really hard, but he also kind of instilled in me to be a boss or a manager and, Mm -hmm. you know, to take charge at an early age. In fact, at 14, he made me borrow money and go call the neighbor and say, hey, you're going to rent that place. And, you know, at 14, I was writing a check with a checkbook. I don't even know if a 14-year-old can get a checking account now, but nonetheless, I mean, he kind (laughs) of helped me start being a – Uh, you know Mm -hmm. a business-minded farmer rancher whatever at 14 and I, i still have that same checking account started you know then so i mean um and and i've done the same kind of things with my girls the girls raise show sheep and they've had a flock of ewes and so they they get they understand the getting up and feeding in the morning and you know tending to them and they love the whole birthing process and the whole life of you know seeing something come into this world and you know, and then the challenges of how stupid a sheep is. And so they get to understand, you know, the biblical concepts when, you know, the Bible mentions about how dumb sheep can be and how dumb we can be and all that. They've mm-hmm. seen all that firsthand.
1: Yep, yep. I've had a few sheep in my life. Uh, they are dumb, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Monty, you know, you've got maybe a little bit younger kids and Brent. Mm-hmm. Uh, what You know, what, the, what do you feel? That, what's the advantage? In other words, obviously— I got uh, got a wife i guess did she come from rural areas uh, from california she, I, really? she she
2: she kind of grew up in a suburb of uh, Sacra, sacramento yeah uh, San francisco i'm oh. sorry oakland um they're they are they have moved up to the sacramento since then but um no she was more urban but her dad uh was into horses and actually was kind of a huh.
4: uh,
2: worked on the Roy roger ranch when he was a kid wow. and Help take care of some of Roy Rogers' horses, and then got my wife Danielle interested in horses, and that instilled in her a desire to go to San Luis Obispo to Cal Poly and get an animal science degree. And then uh, several of her friends couldn't find jobs out of that, and then Oklahoma State offered them a tuition waivers and some pretty good deals to come on to Stillwater and get a mm-hmm. further education, and they all got master's degrees in. <clears throat> and then that's that's... Where she thought she married a rich rancher and went wrong, <laughs> and stayed here. But um, yeah, um, I, it it is. It's a way of life. It, it's it's not an easy living. It's uh, the challenges we talked about. The cyclical part of the ag, the ups and downs, the valleys, mm-hmm. the hilltops, um, uh, the work ethic. Uh, I hope I'm instilling it in my boys like my dad and my granddad did for me, but uh, I still remember those early mornings of just getting out of school for the summer, and one of our first jobs, my granddad would walk into my room in my house and grab me by the big toe, and we'd jump out of bed, and our first job for the summer was going and checking all the windmills, and making sure they all had oil in them and the leathers were good and that was about a three-day job for us and we'd get filthy dirty and um i i think we have one windmill left on the place now so as we as we advance these, these are slower. we're not talking
1: about the big wind turbines. no no so these either are
2: either. these are air motors <laughs> yeah right <laughs> the, the, <old, laughs> the old fan blades that pump the water and oh uh, so and that's one thing uh my boys, it's always still the, we call them the I hate money jobs. And one of those is definitely cleaning out the grain bins. Mm-hmm. And, that's a def- and then washing out the cattle chute and under the scales and everything else. And I always laugh and tell them, today, boys, it's an I hate daddy job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we are talking today with Monty Tucker from the western side of Oklahoma uh, in production agriculture. And Brent Boland from southeastern Oklahoma. So several hundred miles uh, to separate these guys. Mm-hmm. But Oklahoma is a common, common love and common ground, common uh, home state. And uh, we continue on the road to rural prosperity with uh, Monty and Brent here in just a moment. The Oklahoma
2: Rural Water Association, they've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve.
3: The Petroleum Alliance represents every segment of the oil and natural gas industry, speaking with one voice when advocating for the interest of its members, landowner partners, and employees. Our mission is to enhance Oklahoma's economy and every segment of the energy industry.
1: Welcome back to our second half of our Road to Rural Prosperity podcast today. We've got Monty Tucker and Brent Bowling with us today. And uh, guys, you know, uh, we've, got, uh, we've got folks that more and more don't are disconnected from agriculture, more, and more than ever before. I think in each case, you've kind of tried to do a little bit of educating on your own uh, and, and with others about trying to tell who we are in agriculture. Uh, why is it important we be to good neighbors, you think?
4: We're in a time, I guess, that's uh, unprecedented, I guess, from a production ag standpoint because, you know, the average consumer, I don't know, is three or four generations removed mm. from the farm. Yeah. And so uh, I guess if they came and toured my farm, they would think, that they have it in their mind that it still looks like uh, it did in the 19. 19- 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s, and it and it doesn't, and that's not my fault. Uh, the reason why we've grown and changed and evolved is to to make a better product, uh, more cost effective, and all those things. And it, so it takes economies of scale, it takes size, and all that. And so. I mean the new consumer is kind of scared by all that that you know that I'm a one guy that feeds uh, the average farmer I think feeds 150 people or something like that and I'm sure I feed way more than that just yeah. because of the scale of my operation and and you know that's it's not a bad thing that's just how I have to raise my family and you know that uh, we get blamed for it but it's not our fault because that when I mean, we're trying to make a living just like everybody else if we went back to the 19 even the 1970s I mean there's no way that I could sustain my farm or you know feed my family or even uh, progress and mm-hmm. you know you have to reinvest and all that and I mean if we if we did that then we'd be in really bad shape as as a nation or you know being able to feed folks,
1: of course, you're you're having to work with and, and, and deal with one of the biggest agribusiness organizations in the world in Tyson, right? And I mean, they're the largest beef packer, the largest one of the largest poultry players uh, in the pork industry, right? And so, I mean, they they obviously that uh, they're they're in they're they very much got in at the end of their. Viewfinder the consumer, mm-hmm. and everything they do drives drives trying to make sure they they keep them happy
4: well and currently though I mean there 's a lot of i guess argument debate about you know the Tysons of the world and all that, but they have their place in this modern production mm-hmm. chain, and I have mine they can 't do what I do, I mean because of the uh, since we 're doing contract work or contract. Uh, production or whatever mm-hmm. I mean uh, we do things uh more efficient than if you hired somebody by the hour. I mean, if you had to hire somebody twenty four hours a day to take care of a farm <laughs> i mean that that wouldn't be cost effective food or mm-hmm. and but 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 I love that lifestyle. I love that kind of risk and that kind of risk reward thing so yeah. uh, i mean that that and and those challenges are no different raising beef or whatever i mean it's still you know the the American way to to invest and to hope to Return on that investment,
1: Monty, You've got uh, part of your business. You mentioned your your direct uh, direct sales to consumers of the beef that you that the calf that you raise that you turn into beef mm-hmm. ends up getting packaged and ends up in the hand of a consumer, in the freezer or refrigerator of yep. a consumer. What is how does that does that change your attitude about what you are doing?
2: You'll sure pay attention to quality. Uh-huh. Um, I, I tell all my customers that. When you buy from me, I guarantee it. I guarantee it to be good. If it's not good, you don't own it, I'll come pick it up, pay you your money back, or replace it. And when you put that stamp of guarantee on there, uh, you make sure when it leaves your place that you've done everything right to make sure that that's going to be one of the best eating experiences for that customer that I can provide them. Mm -hmm. And there's no more satisfaction than somebody searching you out and saying, we had some of your beef the other night and it was so wonderful and uh it kind of fulfills that circle
4: Uh, and especially when it's another rancher like me that bought some that that, uh (laughs) yeah i one of my customers I'm one of
2: his customers Uh i raise beef Uh, you want to give us a review (laughs) it's
4: really really good i don't want to talk it up too good because it'll be too high
2: yeah oh man but um uh, to be a good neighbor um I always revert back, and I wish I thought of this on my own. But it was Mike Schultz from down in Altus, Oklahoma, that mm-hmm. that, didn't, that put this in my head. That we are the beginning of wealth, and uh, I'm not talking wealth as an evil thing. Uh, the only way that you create wealth, you either dig it, pump it, mine it out of the ground, or any more we can harvest the sun mm-hmm. or the wind. That's the creation of money out of what we consider topsoil and the fact that it rains. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the sun, the sun's the generator. The rain is the way it happens. The topsoil's where it happens, the media. So from there, uh, when I sell the beef, first thing I do is go to the bank, pay off a little bit of a note. Well, that bank employs 30 or 40 different people. Those Mm -hmm. 30 or 40 people then... They go buy shoes, and they go buy cars, and they go buy uh, stuff in Main Street all the way to Walmart. So uh, that's where the money starts. And then, of course, that's your tax base, too. So every bit of that creation of wealth is part of the tax base that Mm -hmm. funds all your government facilities and schools. So uh, that's that's one point I'd like to make is in agriculture and oil and gas, uh, we are the creation of wealth. Yeah. So that's where it all starts. And with that comes the huge responsibility to take care of that natural resource. So as my friend Trent Lou sometimes says, is uh, we simply convert God-given natural resources into consumable products. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly, that's our task. Uh, the buzzwords we have now are the sustainable way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm fourth generation. Is that sustainable? Does that fill your... Definition a sure, a sure of sustainable, is part of it, isn't it? That's sure so, is part of
1: it. Yeah, yep. that's right.
2: My boys are going to be the fifth, mm-hmm. and if that's not sustainable, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. So now, and I, as Brent mentioned, technology sure helps us do that. Yeah. So,
1: so, you know, you're you're obviously you're in dry dry climate yep. in general. Brent is a much <laughs> more I guess uh, moist climate. I got a lot more rainfall. You that that means that you've got to approach how you take care of your ranch, yep. how you produce everything
2: we, you do. You gotta approach it differently. We try to figure out how to conserve moisture and Brent tries to figure out how to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um my granddad told me when I moved back that first time, he said, Son, I spent a lifetime praying for rain and if you do this I suspect you will too. And so, And then he'd always laugh and tell people, so, well, in Sweetwater it rains about 18 to 20 inches a year, and you really ought to be there on that night.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, that's true in a lot of places of uh, western Oklahoma, for sure. Uh, Brent, you know, when you, when you start thinking about uh, your part of the state, uh, southeastern corner of the state, uh, a lot of beautiful resources. and You've got, obviously, uh, the Broken Bow Lake and some other lakes down in that part of the world that uh, have attract, attracted a lot of attention from our neighbors across the uh, Red River. I know uh, you got a lot of uh, folks up from that. Uh, cause what I mean, I guess, I don't know if it's agritourism, but there's a lot, of, a lot of tourists I know come through your part of the world.
4: Oh, yeah, they drive by my place. Uh, about uh, three-quarters of them drive by my place uh, because we're about four miles from Texas, but... Um, Broken Bow, uh, the Beavers Bend, Hochatown area is about 15, 20 miles north of us. But, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it has has been an influx, or there has been an influx in the Mm -hmm. last, you know, 20 years. And here recently, in the last five years, it's really exploded. I mean, just uh, all kinds of... Uh, eateries and breweries and i mean just and all kinds of development of cabin uh, construction and and we're not talking about fifty thousand dollar cabins we're talking three hundred five hundred thousand dollar cabins and you know it's really a Mm -hmm. increase in growth i mean and you know there's there's a lot of economic activity going on there and yeah there's some i guess there's some agritourism i mean there's a lot of horse trail riding and that kind of thing going on and i mean you know it's it's great you know just to to see that kind of traffic come in and Mm -hmm. you know and at one time it was uh pickup trucks and just regular cars and now you see a lot of bmws and lexus and denalis and that kind of thing you know (laughs) so the clientele have gotten wealthier and wealthier and wealthier Uh, uh, uh. that are coming it appears from you Mm -hmm. know a farmer that sees that road yeah really you
1: know both of y'all, uh, obviously, we're all citizens of the state of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a governor that's come in, and one of his, uh, one of his catchphrases of, uh, of his campaign a year ago, top 10 What's let's make Oklahoma top ten. You actually had a chance to sit inside mm-hmm. uh, the post, post-campaign, the, uh, after uh, Governor Stitt won, Governor-elect Stitt asked you to serve on a Transition Task Force, uh, Monty. Yep. How, what was that like?
2: It was an honor to start with, uh, that the that the governor and his administration thought enough of me to ask me to be on that. Um, uh, me and Secretary Blaine Arthur were probably a minority of rural opinion and rural voice on mm-hmm. that transition team, and, and she and I really worked well as a team on there, reminding the room that rural Oklahoma is important, and... Again, I brought back that uh, creation of wealth issue, and 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 how that's that's where all the base starts. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I'm so tickled that Secretary Arthur got that position. I was a huge fan of hers, and uh, when that announcement came, I was I was sorely tickled. She truly is a champion for rule and right. ag. Very very true. Very true.
1: So. How do we, you know, where, where do we go? How, how do you, when you all guys look at your future and uh, the, your neighbor's future and we're, you know, we're here at the Farm Bureau Convention, uh, groups like this, what, what is the future in Oklahoma? How, how do we make sure that uh, Oklahoma Agriculture participates in this top ten conversation?
4: Uh, personally, I think we've got to add value to all these resources that we produce. I mean, that's what we've neglected, I guess, in you know my lifetime watching that. Mm-hmm. You know, when we send so many raw products out, that you know, and some other states putting that extra value on it to get it closer to the consumer so i mean it doesn't matter whether you're talking about timber or whatever i mean uh, and and even poultry i mean that's probably the most value added thing in the state you know that tyson does but i'm sure there could be more of that value added and it doesn't matter if it's hay or whatever i mean that that needs to be turned into a more uh, valuable commodity mm-hmm. and you know and not only that i mean uh, just kind of Keep uh, regulation at bay because, I mean, re- you know, government can be a, a killer or a promoter of economic activity. I mean, so just making sure that we're not, you know, the, the outside forces that are uh, negative to our industry that that don't understand our in- industries, mm-hmm. uh, you know, keep them at, at check where, you know, checks and balances. Not that, um, you know, they, things get get out of hand when it comes to regulatory uh perspective at times you know because um, and mainly it's from an education standpoint
2: right money uh it's our natural resources uh uh, that we gotta we gotta responsibly use them to get us into that top 10 range and and i reminded the stit administration all the time hey we're already top 10 in cattle and beef and beef and uh uh, wheat production and mm-hmm. some other things, pecans and all this other. I say, Governor, you got a good head start with ag culture because we're we're sure top ten in a lot of areas. That's right. That's um, right. Uh, our natural resources we're strategically placed in the United States at a perfect spot. We're in the crossroads. We have an abundance of natural gas. We have an abundance of wind, solar. Uh, we've got the energy. Uh, we've got we've got the natural resources and. It's it's our job to just make sure we keep using them to, to spread the wealth and help Oklahoma become that top ten. Uh, and Brent nailed it right there. We're number three in the nation in cows, number of cows, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we don't have a single commercial three. packing yeah. plant in the state. Yeah. Um, I know there's some people that's sure looking at that, and uh, that would – That's an opportunity right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that's just brand new that I see popping up around is hemp. Uh, I'm seeing acres of hemp go in, but there's no end product uh, for hemp yet. I mean, there's... uh, CBD, of course. Yeah, there's not that processing. Mm -hmm. um, I see that developing here. and. We've got the energy, the water, the, the, and everything to help process maybe a future crop into some consumable products.
1: Mm-hmm. So one, one, one last question. I know, particularly to you, Monty, you've, uh, you've kind of taken to social media a little bit. Uh, some, some, I guess, uh, some real-life uh, videos as far as you've <laughs> kind of uh, shared some of the things that are just kind of the crazy, crazy things that we do in agriculture with, uh, yep. with the more general
2: public. Yeah, I I do it for Brent. He's my number one fan. So so, Brent and I make sure we comment on each other's items all the time. So, yeah, I do this dumb little thing called On the Creek, and I don't know, it evolved, and um, we try to put some humor in with some real-life stuff that's going on and try to slip in a little bit of education in there without them feeling like I'm cramming education down their throats Okay, so. very good Well, I hear they're getting ready for another
1: meeting in here in the uh, big meeting hall so I guess we should be wrapping things up gentlemen thank you so much for spending some time you with too, us today Ron. here on the road to rural prosperity and uh, uh, you know let us know how we can how we can uh, somehow get this story out better to folks because uh, we want to make sure they understand that rural Oklahoma is a part of the top ten equation for sure I'm Ron Hayes on the Road to Rural Prosperity. We'll
0: see
2: you soon. That's it from the creek.
0: (laughs) Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and OklahomaFarmReport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the funk companies.